Today we are continuing our series entitled The Life That Counts. And we, we've been talking about how we can make our lives count for more than just ourselves and, and more than just our, our lifetimes. And the answer to that is a simple word, and that is stewardship. And stewardship, what we often you know, associate that word with financial stewardship, and that's a part of it, but stewardship truly is the essence of Christianity. Uh, God has given us many, many gifts, and we have a responsibility to use what He has given to us in a way that honors Him and pleases Him. And if we want our lives to count for eternity, then we have to manage everything God gives us to accomplish His purposes on this earth during our lifetimes. Everything that we have is a gift from God, and we are called to be stewards of those things. That's why stewardship is beyond, goes way beyond money. And in fact, we have any, this is our third message on stewardship, and we still have not even talked about money yet. And we're not going to talk about money yet today. Uh, we, we have learned that we've got to number our days, that we've got to be stewards of the time that He gives us. Uh, and, and we offer our days up to God one by one so that he can take what we offer and then build something that will last forever. And then the last time, two weeks ago, we, uh, we learned that we're responsible for using the talents and gifts and skills and the life experiences and the professional abilities, all of these things. To use, we're to use those things that God has given to us for his kingdom, not for building ours. And today, the title of today's message is just, it's a real simple one. Be ready to be used by God. Be ready to be used by God. A uh, mother and father were amazed and they were touched to hear their five-year-old daughter, Lindsay, telling her little friend about Jesus. And the children were sitting on the front steps of the house and the parents sort of tiptoed over to the window so they could see and they could hear better. And Lindsay told her friend that if she believed in Jesus and prayed that he would forgive her sins and she would go to heaven. And so the little girl, the friend, was, was convinced and she prayed. And when she was done praying, she looked up at Lindsay, the other five-year-old, and she said, will, will my mommy be in heaven too? And Lindsay thought about that for a moment and replied, yeah, if she believes in Jesus. But if you don't want her there, just don't tell her about Jesus. Where would you be today if someone hadn't considered the truth of the gospel a gift worth, worth sharing? Most Christians can trace their spiritual pilgrimage to a person whose testimony of Christ's saving grace touched a need or a hunger in their life. And, and I want you to know the greatest joy that we can have outside of our own experience of salvation with Jesus Christ is leading someone else to Him. If you've never had that, if you've never done that, if you've never had that privilege of leading someone to faith in Jesus Christ, then you don't understand the kind of joy it will bring into your life for you to be able to lead somebody to Jesus. There is nothing like it outside of your own salvation experience. The greatest gift that God has given to any of us is the gift of the truth of the gospel. What a wonderful gift it is. We know that Jesus is the door to eternal life with the Father. We know that we are saved and that we're on our way to heaven. We know the truth because He gave it to us. The catch is that we are supposed to be faithful stewards of the truth. The gospel is not for you and for me alone. God intends for everyone to hear the truth. And if you want your life to count, then you've got to be a faithful steward of the truth. We've got to carry the truth to everyone that we can and we have a responsibility to tell other people about Jesus. We have that responsibility. The question is, 
For mo many of us, mo most of us would agree, we'd say, I understand that, I get the Great Commission, go into all the world, I know I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus, but for most of us, the question is, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you share your faith? We're often overcome by fear of rejection, or fear of losing a friend, or, this is a big one for a lot of people, fear of making a mistake. Fear, we're afraid we're going to mess it up, we'll say the wrong thing, and, and we're going to end up, and the list of fear goes on and on and on and on. And maybe the idea of sharing your faith with another person scares you to death. If, if so, you're not alone. In fact, I heard somebody say one time that uh, Christians and non-Christians both have one thing in common, and that is that both of them fear evangelism. <laughs> If, you're, if, if, you're, if the idea of sharing your faith with another person scares you, you need to know you're not alone. The fact is, many, many Christians feel that way. Many Christians are intimidated by the idea of witnessing. But, but it's, it's not because they don't love Jesus. It's not because they don't love lost people. It's because they don't know what sharing the faith really means. They've gotten some bad input along the way, and, or, they, or they've seen some bad examples. I mean, we've all seen people that, that said a bad example of how to witness to somebody where they just attack somebody else and put them down and say, now you want to get saved? It's like, what in the world makes you think they want to get saved after that? And so maybe they've seen that or they've had some bad input and they think, if that's what witnessing is, I, I don't think I can do that and I, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to be part of that. But I'm here to tell you that sharing your faith with other people is the most natural thing in the world. Like talking about your children. Dustin, do you have any trouble talking about a little brewer? No, at a heartbeat, I'm telling you. In fact, I can tell you uh, as, a, as a parent, uh, especially when they're really little, like, like little brewer there, every conversation, there's something in that conversation that reminds you of your, of your little baby. And in every conversation, he seems to come up. I remember years ago, I was in youth ministry for, for uh, right at 20 years. So I was in youth ministry, and, and I used to hate when in youth ministry when kids would couple up and you, because it, was never, it never had a good ending, ever, not once, never had a good ending. Um, but, uh, uh, but it used to uh, kind of make me laugh a little bit because have you ever seen a teenager in love? I mean... I mean a teenager in love. I'm talking where everything, every conversation turns to that other person and their friends get so sick of hearing about it. See, it's, sharing your faith is, an, is really a natural thing. It's like talking about your children. It's like talking about uh, your, your, you know, things that, anything that you love, your family, your, your favorite football team, whatever it is. Uh, we, we have to know that witnessing is not verbal combat. It, it's not a war of the wits. That's what some people have made it. It's like, well, let me one-up your thing when I'll say this, and then, then I'll reply to yours with this, and we make it this war of the wits, and, and it has nothing at all to do with your own personal power of persuasion. Witnessing doesn't. Witnessing is simply a matter of telling your story about who you love and what he's done for you. That's what it is. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who, everyone who asks you give, to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. The verse says that we should always be prepared to tell people uh, why we have hope in a world that seems hopeless. I mean, does the world not seem more and more hopeless every day? It seems like 
you, you know, they, you, you see the division in the nation and you think, how in the world can we ever possibly move forward? And, and there's so much hopelessness in the world. And the Bible says, what Peter wrote, writes here, he says, you need to be ready to tell people why you have hope in the midst of all of this hopelessness. People will ask. They will ask, and we should be ready to give an answer. The, the key to being a faithful steward of truth is to be ready to be used by God. Now, what does that mean? I want to give you three things you can do to prepare yourself to witness to other people. And I want you to hear this this, this morning. I want you to take this seriously because uh, not everybody has the gift of evangelism. Some people have that, like Billy Graham. You know, uh, they have that gift. But just because you don't have the gift of evangelism does not mean that you're not called to do evangelism. You are still called to carry this gospel, to tell people about Jesus. Every one of us are called to that. So I want to give you th three things that you can do to, do to prepare yourself. And if you listen carefully and if you'll pay attention today, I believe that you'll leave this place more confident and ready to tell people about Jesus. All right? That's, that's the whole goal today. The first thing is this. Know what you believe. We have a lot of Christians in the church today that are completely biblically illiterate. The only truth that they have is from worship songs. And I'm going to tell you, some of those are excellent and some of those have horrible theology. And so you can't rely on that to, to know what's right and what's wrong. One reason we're sometimes reluctant to witness is that we don't feel completely confident in our knowledge of the basics of our beliefs. And some people think that because they don't have a graduate, graduate degree in theology that they're not qualified to talk about their faith. But I want you to know that is not true. In fact, none of the disciples had those advanced degrees uh, in theology. Not, not one of them. Witnessing does not require advanced education. You don't even have to be, I mean, listen, you can be very uneducated and still share your faith. The Christian faith is very, very powerful, yet it is also very simple. It doesn't rest on complicated theories and formulas that only a scholar can understand. It rests on simple truth. And that is that everyone is sin. Sin has earned us judgment and death. Jesus paid the price for our sin on the cross and he rose from the dead three days later. And when we accept Jesus's provision for our sin at the cross, God the Father adopts us into his family and gives us eternal life with him. In a nutshell. You don't have to have all the answers, but you need to know the basics of the faith. And Peter makes it clear that people will ask why you're different. He said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. He's assuming that they're going to be asking you. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Some people may ask you questions just to try to stump you. I know you've met these kind of people. There's some people that will try to ask you questions merely to embarrass you. They're, they want to try to throw something out there. There'll be some stupid question like, well, if God can do anything, can he make a rock that he cannot lift? What a, what a ridiculous question. It's a silly question. And that's a question that shows me that that person is not really looking for answers. That person is just looking for an argument. And, and I, I've learned a long time ago, maybe you've figured this out too, I learned a long time ago, I, in all my years of walking with Jesus, I have never yet seen anyone argued to Jesus. In fact, the argument just pushes them further away. Even after you destroy and demolish all of their arguments, they don't get argued to Jesus. But, but you know what? There are a lot of people out there who will ask questions because they are sincerely looking for answers. 
they're looking for answers. They, they see that the way life is going right now, the way they're living, it's just not working. And they're looking for answers. Peter says, be ready to tell them what the Bible says about found, finding life in Jesus. Now, it's a responsibility of, of, every, uh, of the leadership of this church to teach the basics of the Christian faith. We try to make sure you hear the gospel clearly in this place from, it, for this, from this pulpit. And, but I want you to know also it's the responsibility of every believer to grow in their knowledge of the faith. And you know what, there are many, first of all, you start with the Bible, but outside of that, there are many, many good books that can help you in the process of learning more on your own. What, what, you know, you, you, there's some that I've read that are very good, like uh, one written by Paul Little, who's, which is, is called Know What You Believe. There's another great one that's classic by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. And then Lee Strobel, he's written more than one, but a couple of them, he, he wrote one called The Case for Faith and another one called The Case for Christ. And, and all of these books and many others like them will strengthen your knowledge of what we believe, but it also will help you understand the reasons behind our beliefs, why we believe. So commit yourself to building a foundation of knowledge about what you believe. Now, I want to say this. There's a caveat on this because it'd be easy for somebody to hear me say that and say, well, then I'm just going to hold back. I'm not going to tell anybody about Jesus. I'm going to wait until I learn more. You don't have to wait until you know it all before you talk to somebody about Jesus. That's not the point that I'm saying at all. But I'm saying that you will grow in confidence the, the, the more you know about what you believe, the more confident you will be in witnessing. So I'm, 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 I'm talking about growing in your walk with him. Second thing, be prepared to be used by God. Being prepared to be used by God means not only should you know what you believe, but this is a really powerful one. And it's going to sound a little odd to you. Know your testimony. Know your testimony. You say, what do you mean know my testimony? It's my testimony. How would I not know it? Well, here's, here's what I'm saying. A lot of us know our testimony, but we don't know how to tell anybody our testimony. Some of the best advice I can give you to help you become a more effective steward of the truth is to develop your testimony. You can grab a piece of paper and, and you can put your testimony together in an organized fashion and you can practice repeating it. You don't have to memorize it word for word, but you need to put enough thought into it to be able to define the most significant events in your journey to a relationship with Jesus. And, and your testimony does not have to be long. In fact, if you're talking to somebody one-on-one, -on -one, you should be able to tell them your testimony in three minutes or less. Your testimony consists, consists of three things. So here's what you do. Grab a piece of paper and you write down, at the top of the page, you write down the, the first one. What was your life like before you met Jesus? That's the first part of your testimony. What was your life like before you met Jesus? Then about... Uh, a third of two thirds of the way down, write another uh, a question to answer. And this is the second part of your testimony. How did you come into a personal relationship with Jesus? And then flip the page over and write this question. How has your relationship with Jesus changed your life? If you can answer those three questions, then you've just told somebody your testimony. What was I like before Jesus? How did I come to know Jesus? And how has he changed my life? That's your testimony. That's what you need to know. Uh, I grew up in church. Whenever the church doors were open, we were there. 
You know, my dad was a deacon for most of my life. And, and uh, you know, I've always heard that pastor's kids are troublemakers, but the deacon kids are the ones that really mess them up. Well, I was a deacon kids and now a deacon's kid and now I have pastor kids. So I don't know what's going to happen to my kids. But anyway, I grew up in church. Whenever the door, church doors were open, we were always there. I heard about Jesus as a child, but as a teenager, I began to rebel and I, and I started doing things that I now regret. I wish I had never done. I'd never gone that direction. And my life was in a, in a downward spiral. There was no purpose, no meaning in my life. My life was filled with loneliness and I struggled with depression. And all my life I had heard that Jesus loved me. Then he wanted to forgive me of my sins and he wanted to bring me into a relationship with him. And I finally decided when I was 16 years old, I just finally decided that I, actually I was 17 years old, I finally decided that I wanted everything God was offering. I wanted the hope and the love and the peace and the forgiveness and purpose, all of these things. And I gave myself completely to him. I didn't deserve to come back to him, but he accepted me anyway. And my life changed immediately. I can remember what he did in my life. I remember going back to my high school. And it felt like I was walking on air if I was walking down the hallways. He changed my life so much. And eventually, he actually called me to preach. Since that day, that is nearly 42 years ago. Makes me feel old to say that. Life hasn't always been smooth sailing. But I've never had to face the turmoil of life alone. He has always been with me. I've always enjoyed his peace, and though I have failed him many, many times, he has never failed me. Jesus made me a better person than I could ever hope to have been, and I owe my life to him. That's my testimony, folks. Took about three minutes to tell, and, and what I've learned over the years is that, is that what I said in those three minutes has more impact than hundreds of sermons that I've preached over my lifetime. Your most powerful tool in sharing your faith with others is your personal testimony, what Jesus has done in your life. Because they will argue with you over facts and figures, but they cannot argue over what has happened in your life, your life experience, as you have seen Him change your life. See, here's what you have to understand. When we talk about witnessing, when we talk about sharing our faith, witnessing isn't about preaching to people. It's about telling your story. Isn't that what a witness is in a courtroom? Yeah. A witness in a courtroom is not getting up there trying to preach a sermon. They're there just to simply say, I'm going to tell you my story of what I saw, what I experienced, what, I, what happened around me. That's what it is. And, you know, it, it, your, and your story, whether you realize it or not, is powerful. Some of you are thinking, oh, I just don't have a good testimony. I was, you know, I grew up in church. I never did anything bad. I was never. Listen, that's the most powerful testimony of all, that God kept you from those things. But your story, whether you realize it or not, is powerful. You know, in the Gospel of John, there's a story of, of Jesus healing a blind man. And, and the Pharisees, they tried to discredit Jesus and they confronted the man saying, we know Jesus is a sinner. What do you say? And, and the man gave a classic response that shows us the power of your story. He said, I don't know whether he's a sinner. I don't know. You know what? It's okay when people start pressing you with questions, especially the silly ones. It's okay to say, I, I don't know about that. I, I'm not an expert in that area. But what he said... I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I do know this. I was blind, now I can see. 
The man couldn't cite chapter and verse and support the argument that Jesus uh, was the promised Messiah. He didn't have the knowledge to say, well, if you look at the book of Isaiah, you'll see that Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy in this passage. And now if you'll turn with me over to the book of Daniel, I can show you five reasons why the Old Testament supports the idea that Jesus of Nazareth is the promised Messiah. He couldn't say all that. He didn't have that kind of knowledge. But he could say something that was far more powerful than all of those things. He could look them in the eye and in truthfulness say, I was blind, but now I see. You see, the experience was far more powerful than all of the theory and all of the theology and all of the questions. There's no argument that can refute a changed life. When you share your testimony with someone, even if it's as simple as, I was once blind and now I can see, your words have tremendous impact. And when you tell somebody about the difference Jesus has made in your life, you know what's happening in that moment? You begin to give them hope that maybe He can make a difference in their life too. This is the power of your story. But here's, here's what I want you to get. Being prepared to be used by God means knowing what you believe, knowing your testimony, but it also leads us to this. We can know that God will give us, give you, uh, give opportunities to witness. He will give you opportunities. When you prepare yourself, when you've proved that you're going to be a good steward of what He's given you, He will give you more opportunities. I mean, we see it in, in the parables that he told about stewardship. The, the one who, who had been given five talents, and now understand talent is not a talent like what we think of with singing. It was a, it was a, a, a monetary value. And he was given five talents, and he invested those and, and brought back five more after the investment and gave it back to him. What happened in the end? He was actually given more in the very end of the story. So as you're faithful with, in stewardship with the things that God gives you, He opens more doors of opportunity for you. Peter said, always be prepared. There, there, there's a sense, you know, where be prepared means that we should do our homework and learn what we need to learn. But, but there's also another sense where be prepared means to always be ready to witness because the chance could come at any time. And, and, and they will come at, at, at any time. You'll never, you, God will begin to open doors of opportunity for you if you will prepare yourself because being prepared shows that you're being a good steward. As you're being a good steward, it gives you more opportunities. When I think about being prepared, I, I think back to the time just before Aaron was born, our firstborn child. And, you know, you know with your firstborn, you're always like uh, book parents. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you here know what I'm talking about? And so, uh, we had the list of all the things we we're supposed to do. And before she was born, I remember they gave us this list of items that we might need at the hospital. And, and then they told us, and this was great wisdom on their part, to pack the bag for Julie and have everything ready to go because we might not have enough time to pack it when labor started. Not to mention that even if we tried to pack it, then we would probably forget something in the, in the heat of the moment. So we, the truth was, what we were doing is we were being prepared. We were going to, we had to be ready to go at a moment's notice. And that's what it means to be ready, to be prepared. Uh, on a moment's notice, be prepared to talk to somebody about Jesus 
because you never know when the opportunity will arise. And when that opportunity presents itself to you, you, you don't want to walk away from, from that thinking, man, I wish I had been ready for that. Man, I wish I had thought through something. I wish I had been ready to tell them about Jesus. But you walk away thinking, man, I, I just wasted an opportunity God gave me. But when you prepare yourself, you'll be amazed at how often God will open a door for sharing your faith. If you'll write out your testimony and you'll practice sharing your testimony where you can tell people how you, what your life was like before Jesus and how you met Jesus and how He has changed your life. If you'll be ready and prepared to share that, you'll be amazed at how often you'll be able to share that. God will open doors of opportunity and somebody who's going to be hurting in your workplace or somebody's going to be hurting in your school and, and they're going to be talking to you about, about what you're, they're going through and you're going to say, man, let me tell you about what happened in my life. And you're going to be able to tell them your story of how the broken, brokenness in your life led you to the place where you surrendered to Jesus and how He healed your heart and over time He's restored your soul and, and He has done wonders in your life and you can tell them about Jesus by telling them your story. And when you prepare yourself, you're proving yourself to be a good steward of the most precious gift God has given to you, and that is the truth of the gospel. More valuable by far than any other gift He gives. More valuable by far. I mean, I, listen, I love the gift of my family. But what good is my family without the gospel? Right? Right? Because I can have my family and we'd all be going to hell. God will direct your paths and lead you to people. He'll lead you to people who need you and they need to know the truth about Jesus. He'll lead you to people to, to whom you will be able to relate because they're walking through something similar than, than what you walked through and you'll be able to tell them your story. God will use you if you will get yourself ready. If you'll be a steward of your testimony, if you'll be a steward of the gospel, God will use you. Now, now I want you to understand, sharing your faith is not a situation when you're constantly trying to force things to happen. That's not what it is. Witnessing is not effective when you're bulldozing your way into conversations and preaching to people who would rather be doing anything in the world other than listening to you. It's not a matter of trying to shove square pegs into round holes. You, sharing your faith is simply telling your story about who you love and what he's done for you. The truth is, that is the most effective witness. And, and, and we need to understand this, that that witness... That, the most effective witness of all is one that is built on relationship. God gives you the gifts of your friends, your co-workers, and He wants you to love and serve the people around you because loving and serving people are the greatest ways to earn credibility and win the right to be heard. Pour your life into people. Love them. Look for ways to serve people around you, even, even when, maybe especially when they try to make your life miserable. Anybody have any of those people in your life? Somebody that just tries everything they do, they're going to make your life miserable. Love them. Serve them. Because by doing that, you are reflecting the way Christ loved you. And as you do that, then when you share Christ, they have, they have no excuse. They can't point to your life and say, 
yeah, Jesus loves me, but look at how you treat me. Always remember that hurting people hurt people. So when somebody says hurtful things to you, just remember, it's hard to remember in the moment, but remember, they're hurting. They need healing. They need Jesus. Let me tell them about him. And when, they, when people strike out at you, you, you can have compassion on them because you know they're living in the dark and you know that they're walking without peace. The gospel is good news and it offers people hope. And people are desperately seeking hope today and people are eager to hear good news. Now, they don't want to be preached at. They don't want to be condemned. They don't want to be on the receiving end of a, of a great sell job for the gospel, but they do want hope. And, and I understand, I don't, I'm not saying don't tell them when I say they don't want to be condemned. I'm not, you, have to, you have to tell the bad side, the bad news, before you can hear the good news. So I'm not saying you avoid the fact that they're, that they're a sinner. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm, I'm saying there's a difference between standing in judgment of people and standing alongside of people. Standing in judgment means I, 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 I sort of... Uh, lean against the cross and point my finger at people and say, hey, you better get right, you dirty, rotten, stinking sinner. But instead of that, I need to be kneeling at the cross and say, come kneel with me. I was a broken sinner too. There's room here now. You're a sinner, but so was I. Come kneel with me. Come to the cross. If you'll do your homework and get your heart ready, and God will open doors of opportunity for you to tell your story to the people who are ready to hear it. And you never know what kind of long-term impact you can have. I want to close by telling you a true story. In 1858, a, a man laid a trembling hand on the shoulder of a young shoe clerk and said, I'm concerned about you. And that afternoon, that young man knelt in the basement of a store and asked Jesus into his life. He was touched by that man's concern. That young clerk was a man named D.L. Moody. You can see him on your screen. Later he wrote, How strange it was that a man who had only known me for two weeks would be so concerned about me. Well, Moody, as most of you know, became a great evangelist. And in 1879, he was invited to England. And he was, his host was the learned pastor F.B. Meyer. Uh, F, uh, and Meyer no sooner heard Moody preach than he regretted having invited him because Moody was uncouth and unlearned. And, and he thought, this man is doing damage in my church. And as soon as Moody, Moody left, F.B. Meyer set out to repair the damage he supposed Moody had done to his upper class church. Well, the first person that Meyer called on was a Sunday school teacher of young girls. And as soon as he entered her home, she said, oh, Dr. Meyer, I have been under such conviction ever since I heard Brother Moody preach. So I began to visit the girls in my Sunday school class, and I've led every one of them to Jesus. Well, Meyer went home and fell on his knees and repented, and soon he began to preach evangelistic sermons, and his church began to grow, and his success became known throughout the world. Before long, he was invited to America. Among his engagements was a series of meetings on college campuses. At one college campus meeting, a, a student named J. Wilbur Chapman heard, preaching, heard the preaching and he accepted Christ. Chapman went into YMC work, YMCA work, which by the way, back in those days, it was an actual missionary type of organization. It was not like just a gym or something like it is today. And, and J. Wilbur Chapman, need, Chapman needed a helper, so he hired a young convert named Billy Sunday. 
You may not have heard of J. Wilbur Chapman, but you almost certainly heard of Billy Sunday. Well, Sunday began to do the work of an evangelist, and on one occasion he preached a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina. And a group of business, local businessmen heard Sunday preach about the power of prayer, and these businessmen began to meet and pray for a revival. Some months later, Mordecai Ham accepted their invitation to come to Charlotte and preach a series of meetings. And during one of those evening tent meetings, a young man was sitting there and he felt like the, as if the evangelist was pointing his sermons right at him. Have you ever been in that place where it felt like the preacher was preaching to you? So he thought to himself, well, I'm going to go back again. But the next night, he, 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 he joined the choir so that he could stand behind the evangelist instead of having the evangelist preach at him. And then, lo and behold, the evangelist that night turned around and preached toward the choir. Well, during the invitation, the young man prayed to receive Christ. His name, I know you've heard, Billy Graham. And the story goes on. Now, we know of these men. Every one of them is well known in Christianity, at least in Christian history. And we know, we know of these men, but where did it all begin? It all began with a Sunday school teacher, a man by the name of Edward Kimball. You probably have never heard of Edward Kimball. But he was a Sunday school teacher who looked at his class and reached out with love and compassion and shared Jesus with them. And look what happened. God has given you the gift of the truth. He's given you the gift of your testimony and he's asking you to be a faithful steward of it. So what will you do? What will you do? And you know this week, and this is not part of my notes, but we'll close with this. This week as I was praying about this service and thinking about it, and the, the, there's a story that came to my mind, a story that almost everyone here knows of, it's not a parable, it's a real story. It's a real event that happened in the New Testament where there was the paralyzed man who his friends brought him to Jesus, but they couldn't get him into the room where Jesus was because the crowd was so, so thick. So they went up on top of the, of the, the roof and, and, they, and they, I can just imagine being the homeowner at that moment saying, what in the world's going on here? But he, they dug a hole through this, dirt roof of this house and or whatever it was the type of roof they had it made a hole and they lowered him down to Jesus and and we know the story it says when he saw their faith that the, the man was healed and that sort of thing but but the point that came to my mind was these men they looked at the situation and they had a friend who needed to get to Jesus and they said we are not going to let anything anything stop us from getting him to Jesus as we share our testimony, as we're faithful stewards of the truth, that's the attitude that we say, I'm not going to let anything stand in the way of getting this friend of mine to Jesus. They need Jesus. This coworker needs Jesus. I'm not going to let my attitude, I'm not going to let my, my feelings, I'm not going to let the situation or the circumstances, I'm not going to let fear stand in the way, I'm not going to let embarrassment stand in the way. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get my friend to Jesus because that's where they need to be. That's where they'll find healing. That's where they'll find salvation. That's where they'll find help. That's where they'll find peace. That's where they'll find hope. So that's the question for us. Will you be a faithful steward and will you say, 
I am not going to let anything stand in the way of getting my friend, getting my family member, getting my loved one, getting my neighbor, getting my enemy to Jesus. Would you bow your head pray with me? Father, as we come into your presence, Lord, I, I, I just pray that this will be a, an encouraging message, Lord, because this is not to condemn anybody who has struggled in sharing their faith, but Lord, it's about trying to give a simple understanding that being a, a, a witness to be used by you in that way is not about trying to learn the, the right methods or the right opening lines or being polished in the delivery, but it's really about telling our story. And when we tell our story, what we're really doing is telling your story. And I pray, God, that you would just encourage your people. Encourage all of us, Lord, because every one of us in this room, at one time or another, we have faced that fear, that reservation of saying, but, but if I tell them, what will happen? Help us to realize, God, that we can't control the outcome, but we can, in a loving, peaceful, encouraging way, tell people what Jesus has done for us. And Lord, as we do that, as we prepare ourselves, that I just pray, God, that you would continue to open doors. And Lord, I'm asking that you would fill this church up with, with people who are new to the kingdom because your people have chosen to be faithful stewards of the gospel. God, I pray that you would break through every barrier, every barrier of fear or embarrassment or whatever it might be. And God, we would have the attitude of those men that say, whatever it takes, I'm getting my friend to Jesus. Whatever it takes, I'm going to help make sure that my friend can see Jesus today. And Lord, we know that just because we share a testimony doesn't mean that somebody's going to give their life to you right away. But sometimes there's a planting. Sometimes it's a process of watering, watering, Lord God, but we are believing you that we're going to see that harvest time. I pray you would encourage us, God, and help us to give thought to this, to be ready, to be prepared. Use us, God, I pray. Use us to, to make a difference. There are people around us that need Jesus, and I pray, God, that we won't get so caught up with our own heartaches and sorrows and needs. They're real. They're real, but God, we find so much greater joy when we focus on others. So Lord, get our eyes off of ourselves, off of our own fears, off our own struggles, our own problems, and get our eyes on you and help us to see what you see, to love what you love, to pursue what you pursue. And that's the people of this world. Lord, I pray you give us your strength as we face those moments when people will attack. <clears throat> and we know that'll happen. We know it will. You, you, you said that we would face persecution. So God, help us not to fear that, but to realize that even in the midst of that, you can still use that moment to reveal Jesus to somebody. So God, we just want to offer ourselves to you. Everybody in this room, Lord, we just want to say, Lord, if you can use me to lead somebody to Jesus, I, I, want, I want to have that experience. I want to tell people my story. I want, to, I want to people not just to see Jesus in me, but I want them to hear about him in my words. And God, I pray you would encourage us and anoint us. You've already moved in power today. 
You, you've, you've already empowered your people today. So God, help us to take your word today and do something with it. And we give you praise in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.